there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name's Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us Dr. Danny Davis, and we get to sit down and discuss his new book, In Him You Are, Trusting God with Who You Are, What You Have, and How He Sees You. This was a great conversation. Dr. Davis is a colleague and a friend, and so it was fun to sit down with him and to, honestly to learn from him. I enjoyed the book um, thoroughly. I appreciated the insight. I appreciated his candidness. We'll share a little bit. He'll share a little bit about his journey um, and some personal stories, which when I when I read books, when authors share personal stories, I love it. It helps me um, connect, I think, more with a book. It helps me identify with a book. And then it makes me think, how does this apply to me? And Dr. Davis, uh, Danny Davis, does a phenomenal job with that. And just really appreciate him being on the podcast with us and uh, getting to learn from him. Um, I would encourage you uh, to subscribe to the podcast. I know the podcast I subscribe to are the ones I listen to. And um, also send in your questions for Back Channel with Foth. That's where we sit down with Dick Foth and get to learn from him. That's always a joy for me. Um, I'm a learner and uh, I love when the questions come in. I love to sit down and learn from Dick um, as he answers the question. So it's a win-win all the way around for me. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have a new friend of the podcast, Dr. Danny Davis. Danny, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Aaron. Good to see you and or hear you, whatever we're doing here. That's for sure. It's good to see you. And um, Danny, you and I um, have gotten to know each other more and more over the last, uh, I would say, six, eight months. Um, but for those who do not know who Dr. Danny Davis is, will you take a little bit of time just to share a little bit about yourself? And, and uh, maybe kind of give us a little intro to the book we're going to be talking about um, this evening. Yeah, so uh, I am a husband. I've been married 31 years uh, to my wife, Sherry. And um, we have two sons who are also married now. And so our family is expanding. Got our first grandson coming in about uh, four weeks from the recording of this podcast. And uh, we serve as uh, global workers uh, with the Assembly of God World Missions in uh, East Africa, and there I am. Uh, I have a develop training and so on for our pastors and uh, Christian workers in uh, in Uganda, and so we we uh, we stay busy. Currently, I'm in the United States uh, on a short medical. Um, uh, leave and uh, but uh, we're we're just thankful to. Uh, to do what we do and to be doing what God has called us to do. And that really, that's really what the book is about, um, finding our identity uh, in Christ instead of in everything else. And so we, uh, the, the book really began, I was a, pa- I was pastoring in Johannesburg, South Africa, and the book began, wow, 15 years ago now, 16 years ago, uh, as a series of uh, sermons that I preached at uh, the church, one of the churches that I founded, and um, noticed that a lot of our, uh, we had a very, very young congregation. The average age of our church was like 21, and which is not uncommon in, in Africa. It's a very young continent. And so we, I began to notice that many of our, many of our church members were struggling with identity 
struggling with who they were in Christ as opposed to what they were in the world and how they balanced all of this. And so I just began to look into the book of Ephesians and, and really find those words that are all throughout Pauline uh, writing of in him, in Christ, in him. And, uh, and that's really where the book was born uh, as a pastoral uh, heart reaching out to people who were who were trying to find their way and navigate this journey of faith. Yeah, excellent, excellent. You mentioned as I, as I read through the book and, and highlighted it, you mentioned that uh, the today's world presents some challenges for our daily relationship with God, and um, that, I think that just jumped off the pages for me because that's that's a tension that I feel. And um, can you just share a little bit more about this? And um, yeah, just that idea of what the world we live in, the culture we live in, and some of that that daily tension in our, our personal relationship with Christ. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I don't guess we're unique in having challenges in our in our efforts to live a holy life, right? I mean, every generation has had its obstacles and challenges, but I think, uh, I think we, we, and I only know the time we live in, but the time that we're in, it's, it's almost as if living unholy is the expected norm. Uh, True. And, and when, as Christians, when we are when we're trying to fulfill what we know of Scripture and what we sense by the Spirit in our heart, and we're living, uh, trying to live above that, you know, Paul Paul wrote, I think it was to Timothy, and said, you know, live soberly and and righteously in this present world. But when we try to live against the grain, it does create the tension. Um, and I think we certainly have biblical examples of how to live this out through Daniel, uh, you know. Uh, we may not end up in a lion's den, but we certainly feel the tension of trying to live uh, a life of integrity, of, of a life that's above reproach, a life that doesn't succumb to the um, the whims of the world that we live in. And if that, that so so at, at the risk of sounding, um, I don't know, sort of. Uh, old fashioned, you know, we, 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 we got to struggle against that. And the, the challenges are not new. Yeah. And God is not certain. God is certainly not unfamiliar with helping his people through these kind of challenges, but we, we have to learn to live in that tension. Otherwise we bring ourselves to a place of compromise where it's mm. like, yeah, you know, I'd rather be comfortable and not feel this tension. Sure. I, you know, I, I think one of the one of the challenges is actually that we don't like tension today. Sure. We don't want to we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to have any kind of awkwardness that that makes us feel different or act different or look different. But that's sort of the Christian life. Yeah. We we're a peculiar people, <laughs> right? But, uh, uh, we're 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 a new, we're a different generation, a royal yeah. priesthood, <clears throat> and so, yeah, th- those challenges are not new. But how we deal with that tension, how we how we do that, really is rooted in: is my identity in Him? Yeah. Is is my faith in Him? And if it is, and if we are living out um, a life that is, <clears throat> excuse me, if we're living out a life that is. <clears throat> 
pleasing God, it's going to bring tension. Yeah. It, yeah, it really good. is. Yeah. And if, uh, but yet the same thing that brings us tension brings us comfort. Yeah. Right? Because we're living in him yeah. and we have that assurance that whatever tensions we're in, whatever lion's den we find ourselves in, that he's going to be there to, uh, to guide us, protect us and help us walk, walk this thing out. Sure. You, you mentioned um, th- that he'll be there to guide us and direct us. You know, you you highlighted this um, point that it, it's it's hard for us to to see ourselves as a complete person because of our inability to truly comprehend God's foreknowledge, and um, that kind of speaks to what you were just sharing. Could you share a little bit more about that? Uh, this idea of understanding who we are as a complete person, and then that inability to really understand God's foreknowledge and His understanding. Yeah, well, in the book, I try to connect those two thoughts that, number one, we're complete in him, right? You know, in him, we are complete. In other words, we're made whole. Now, uh, doctrinally, doctrinally, theologically, we we hold to a position of already, not yet, right? This idea that that we are being saved, but we yeah. are saved, that we're being sanctified, but we are already sanctified, positionally in Christ. And I think for, for me, I come from a, I come from a religious background that is highly, highly, highly legalistic. And my identity was wrapped up in the things that I did, the clothes that I wore, the, um, uh, the words that I said, the, the rituals that I obeyed. And what, what what happens is the, when we don't fill when we don't fulfill those things or we feel like we can't because we can't <laughs> we 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 don't fulfill them then we feel incomplete yet then we read the scripture that says you're complete you're whole you're mature yeah. or you're you're being perfected and you and and then you ask yourself well what's going on here well in my mind this this idea of already not yet is more than just a theological uh, I concept it's it's a reality of life that 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 the Holy Spirit that lives within me knows very well where I'm going and what uh, uh, what I am becoming because He knows the end from the beginning. I don't. Yeah. And so that leads to: Do I trust the Spirit's voice? Do I trust that He's leading me in the direction? How do I know? these kind of things. And so, so we kind of go through life with this, trying to make the best decisions possible with income knowledge, right? So, so, so we trust our experience. We trust doesn't have a position. Uh, I know this is a, a great debate among theologians today, but, but I tend to, uh, to, to uh, agree with the church fathers that our God is um, uh, omniscient, that he knows all things and that he is working things out for my good. And so it's not, it's not in the sense that, that uh, he gets surprised by my mistakes or by my sin or by my doubts or these kind of things like that, but that he is working with us to lead us toward that end that he has for our life. Yeah. Do, do we resist it? Sure. Do we make mistakes? Absolutely. Hmm. But yet 
if if the scriptures are true, and I happen to believe they are, <laughs> that that God is working things for my good, yeah, then all things for my good, then then his knowledge, that that working of good is based on his knowledge of knowing what I am to become. Yeah. Now ultimately I'm to become a dweller in his presence, right? Physically uh, in where God is. But until that place, I still get to abide in his presence. Yeah. I still get to abide in his love and abide in his knowledge, knowing that I have the assurance that the Spirit of God will lead, walk with me, will correct me, convict me, and move me toward the future of the, uh, maybe not the future, but well, I guess the future, but move me toward becoming what God intended for me to become. Yeah. And um, so that comes down to trust and faith. To me, to me, there's no difference between trust and faith. Hmm. I think there's, I think they're the same, the same thing. Yeah. Trust. Uh, I, I was privileged to know uh, a lady who is now, gone to be with Jesus, but she, she and her husband served in Africa for 45 years um, all, all over the continent. And I heard her say one time, she said, trust simply means that I believe God will do the right thing. Yeah. Hmm. And, hmm. and I just believe God's going to do the right thing. Yeah. He's going to do the right thing even when I don't like the right thing, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah, because you know, God's not necessarily a God of fairness as much as he is a God of justice who does what is just. And, mm. and he, he will do what is just for us because he knows the, the, the end of all this. Yeah. And, and he's trying to bring us to that place. I hope that makes sense, no, but I'm just. For sure it does. And so in that trust, you know, one of the other things you, um, delineated was this idea of um, giving our whole self to God, right? To trust Him, to have faith in Him, mean that we give, we're give we giving our whole self to Him. And in that process, you talk about some inner sacrifices and some outer sacrifices. Um, could you maybe just share a little bit about those um, those inner sacrifices, outer sacrifices? And yeah, just to continue on on that, that, that line of trusting Him, having faith in Him, that like you said, He's going to do the right thing, um, that He's going to do the best thing for us, even if we don't necessarily understand and then what that means, like with the inner and outer sacrifices. Yeah. So, so in the book, I, I, I take a theological stance that we're not necessarily a tripart, tripart being that we're sort of a, a dual being a body and spirit and soul, spirit and soul kind of being one, but uh, we can all debate that. But, but the essence of what I'm trying to say is, is that we, like Paul, we ha- Paul talks about, I have this struggle in the inside man. You know, I've got this war that's going on inside of me. But yet what happens inside of me affects what's outside of me, right? Yeah. So, so you know, Jesus said it's not so much what you take in, you know, that defiles you. It's, it's, it's what's in the heart and all this. And so in, in, in my experience, okay, I got saved when I was 19 years old, grew up in the church, pretty much decided at about 13, 14 that, there was no God, and I didn't quite understand all this religious stuff, and um, just dealing with a lot of domestic home issues, violence, uh, you know, things like that. But at 19, had this um, 
uh, amazing experience with God. So fully, sur- you know, surrendered my life back to walking with Christ and and all this, and I, I found immediate deliverance. Now, you know, you and I are in certain circles where we believe in this, you know, this uh, this this immediate deliverance that can come, this supernaturally divine thing. But what I discovered ten years later was that God took away the easy stuff to get over, right? Like, mm. like, right. So He He gave me immediate deliverance from. You know, from from the alcohol, from from the 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 nicotine. He, he, mm. th- those were easy, right? Mm. Ten years later, God's digging into my heart and telling me, "Hey, you've got to deal with this bitterness. Mm. You've got to deal with this anger. You've got to deal with." And some of that came through the sanctifying con. As husband and wife, my wife and I are helping each other to be sanctified, to be to walk in 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 uh, relationship with with God. But the outer stuff was easy, right? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it was easy. Yeah, uh, you know, at the uh, at the, you know I, dealing with the layers of the heart is hard mm. because. But Paul talks about spiritual wickedness in high places, right? And I thought when I first came to Jesus that 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 really dealt with like, um, you know, that the higher I get, new level, you know, got to go to a new level, get to a new yeah. place, that it would get easier. Mm. As, I, as I got closer to God, it would get easier. But the truth is, as the distance between God and I became smaller, the more the more focus there came on the issues of my heart hmm. that were actually keeping me from being what he intends for me to become yeah and and for me and, and i think this is different for everyone but for me um i, I had a very um uh, my childhood was very violent in, in the sense of domestic violence i i saw uh, my my father, who was not saved, you know, with, uh, I was the I was the object of beatings. My mom was an object of beatings. The, we were taken from our home. We we were put in hiding. You know, all these kind of things. And I thought God took care of that the night I was baptized. Right? Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation. Well, I am, but I got to live into yeah. that reality. Yeah. And the only way that I live into that reality is to let God, the Holy Spirit, begin to deal with those secret places of the heart where I harbored anger and bitterness mm-hmm. and and violence against a man who had since passed away. Thank God. I, I, I'll tell the end of the story. He, he, he was diagnosed with brain cancer. My father was at age 43. But that was the turning point of his life. He gave his mm-hmm. life to Jesus. He... He turned it around. He became, you know, and we were able to find reconciliation, all of those wonderful things. But it was through his radical transformation that God began to put me, turn me back towards serving him. Wow. And, and I, so, but 10 years, 15, 20 years now, now 30 something years later, I, I, God is putting spotlights on things in my heart that I, I don't want to deal with it, to yeah. be quite honest with you, if, mm. if that's okay to say. Yeah, I don't for want sure. To deal with that. For sure. 
you know, I want to, I want to walk around saying I'm blessed and too blessed to be stressed. You know, <laughs> you know I, 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 I want to do that. I, I want to be that person. Yeah. But I also realize that when I kneel my, when I bow my knee to pray, that the Holy Spirit is saying to me, Hey, you know what? There, there's this little place in your heart that I want to keep. I want to talk to you about today. Yeah. And the case that I make in the book is that what happens inside has has visible manifestation on the outside. Hmm. And so I when I find myself being angry, and, and, and the truth is, I think there's a good anger, right? I think yeah. Jesus helps us understand there's a good anger. But when I find myself being angry because of someone's word or someone's action, there's a part of me that's saying now, now that I would, this wouldn't have been the case 20 years ago, but now saying, why am I reacting to that that way? Yeah. Why, why yeah. is there such a visceral reaction in my spirit? What, what's in me yeah. that is now coming out in response to this stimulus from the outside? Yeah. And I got to, I got to deal with that. Yeah. And, and I think that's the, that that's the path toward sanctification, right? Toward our wholeness in, yeah. in Christ. Good word. And, yeah. Good word. And you you mentioned that one of the things in the book that you know I, the things that I that I've seen of your life is is a massive um, physical transformation, right? So I didn't know you personally, but I, I saw you. You were you know you've had a your outer appearance has changed drastically over the last, and you probably can tell us a little bit more about that, but you, and you talk about it in the book, you talk about some of the the decisions you were making with, with healthy food choices and, and your challenge um, with obesity. Would, would you be willing just to share a little bit about that? Cause I think that was, that was very vulnerable in the book. And at the same time, I think it's very, very encouraging um, for the audience just to hear your testimony uh, of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I got nothing to hide, man. It's, uh, especially when you're, you know, at my heaviest, I was 500 pounds. Mm. Um, and I had a, I was actually, I was actually discipling a man who belonged to the LDS church. And interesting. And we were in a, um, a, a, a kind of a discipling relationship. You know, we were having this deal where he was telling me what he believed. And we were working through the scriptures and he, and he he said something to me. This was, oh, wow, Aaron, this was probably 25 years ago. He said something to me. He said, you know, Danny, he said, I don't think the devil could ever get you to go back to a, and sit on a bar stool and drink and go back to drugs and go back to this kind of stuff. But you know what? If he can, if he can make you eat yourself to death, you still don't get to preach the gospel. Wow. Wow. And man, that... I mean, that was like a shotgun blast to the face. I mean, it was one of those deals. But honestly, I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't mm. want to deal with it. I, I knew mm. I was overweight. I knew I was unhealthy. I knew that eventually it was going to cause me major, major problems health-wise and so on. But I just did not want to deal with the issues of my heart that were that were being soothed with food, right? I I I have this love hate relationship with food, <laughs> you know, I, I, which I think for any person who struggles with addiction, that's, that's, that's the truth. The problem with food is we can't just put it away. Right. We yeah. got it. Yeah. Got to eat. 
And so about, um, about uh, 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with type 2 di- diabetes. Um, when, when, when the doctor took my, you're, you're the medical person, I don't remember all the terminology, yeah. but when he took my sugar levels, my glucose yeah. levels, it was 545. Oh, my Lance. And I couldn't figure out why I was just falling asleep in the middle of things or just Man, okay. unable to get out of bed. And, and I thought, well, I'm going to go to the doctor. He'll give me a pill, you know, and I'll be better. And he's like, well, let's check your sugar. And it was, it was 545. Now, at this time, I had lost 100 pounds. I was like at 400, okay. give or take two pounds. Because I, I was trying to make some, some, some choices. Actually, about 30 of those pounds were because I was diabetic and didn't know it. And okay. It was, it was causing me to lose yeah. weight. And um, so the doctor was like, yeah, you're going to have to quit eating tacos. That was literally his advice. Like, you just just quit eating tacos and you'll be okay. I'm like, okay, something about that didn't ring true. I mean, I'm not a medical <laughs> professional, but uh, so began to think about, okay, I've got to make some changes. And uh, I think it was Rob Ketterling that wrote a book about, you know, I can't remember the title, but basically yeah. changing before you have to yeah. kind of a thing. He, he tells the story about it about telling his wife, like, if you died, I'd lose weight so I could yeah. find a new, a new <laughs> wife kind of thing. And I thought, but, but I really began to think, you know what I, I, but then that, that, that statement from this guy 20 something years ago started echoing back in my mind. You're, you're not going to be able to fulfill the call that God has on your life. You, you're not going to be able to survive in Africa where we live in, where we were, where we live, insulin's not always available. Yeah. So I was, I was at the point where I was take, I couldn't take the pill form of mm. diabetic medicine because I was allergic. Uh, so I was taking five insulin shots a day just to keep my insulin levels mm. below uh, 120. Mm. And so that was a big struggle, you know, like, how are we going to get insulin? How are we going to do this? So so I finally came to the conclusion that I, I needed I needed some help uh, physically and uh, had bariatric surgery, mm-hmm. uh, had a, uh, what's called a gastric sleeve, uh, yep. didn't have the complete bypass, but a gastric sleeve. And I was looking at it uh, yesterday, and since I had that done in 2021, December of 2021, and I'm, I'm, uh, I've lost 180 pounds. Wow. And uh, literally, I've lost an entirely per, an entire person. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm no longer I no longer have to take any medications for mm. uh, blood pressure, cholesterol, right. insulin, none of those things. But it wasn't just the weight loss. I began a, uh, I began a, I committed myself to. Uh, exercise or walk about five miles a day, you know, making sure that I'm, uh, you know, eating healthier, which is a lot easier to do in yeah. East Africa than it is uh, in America. <laughs> uh, you know, the food tends to be a lot cleaner. Sure. But, but ultimately the outward side of it is wonderful. You know, yeah. matter of fact, I was leaving Uganda a week or so ago and the lady looked at my passport and she's like, this is not you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need 
I need your passport, not this passport. And I'm yeah. like, well, sorry, that is my, pa- that's, that's me. Yeah. You know, a hundred kilos less or 180 sure. pounds less than what it yeah. was. And, but yet the struggle within me is mm. still there. Mm. And uh, the struggle that I need to find some comfort in the food that I eat. I need to find mm. comfort in uh, knowing that the refrigerator has food in it. And, and I don't honestly don't know where all that, I mean, I come from a family of big people. I'm yes. just one of those things. And, but, <clears throat> but my wife and I, here's the big thing is my wife and I have been on this journey together and she also had gastric sleeve surgery. She's lost um, close to a hundred pounds and getting healthier, you know, doing these things that need to be done. So I don't, doing it together has been blessing. Amazing. Yeah. It's been a blessing because we can, we can challenge each other and so on, but the inner turmoil, the struggle of sitting in, sitting somewhere and saying, I've got to have a, I've got to have something in my hand to eat. I've got to have um, uh, this kind of food. I've got to have that. And, and those are things that I'm working on. Um, uh, You know, I, uh, it, it's, it's, it's easy. It, it, yeah. Like, like I was talking about, it's easy to, I went to the hospital, they cut out my stomach. I came home. Yeah. Right. That's easy. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, was, that's simple. The daily struggle of thinking that my identity, my identity, my whole life was wrapped up in being big. Mm. My nickname in high school was big Dan. Mm. Right. I, I remember being the heaviest guy on the roster of the football team, six hmm. foot five, 300 pounds. Yeah. I actually weigh 70 pounds less now than I did when I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. Now I graduated in 1988. So you guys yeah. can do the math. So. <laughs> so, so, but my, my whole identity, even as a preacher, even as a preacher of the gospel, my identity was involved in how big I was. Hmm. I come from a faith tradition that, that says big guys preach better. I know that mm. sounds weird. And mm. I know that sounds, I, I don't know how it sounds. Right. But like all the, all the big guys that preach the conferences, they were all yeah. fat and they yeah. were all big guys and they were all morbidly obese yeah. and, and out of shape. And it's like, we, it's like we um, glamorized mm. that thing. Yeah. And I, I thought, okay, well, then I, I don't want to lose weight because if I lose weight, then wow. I won't be that person. I won't be this. I won't be that. Hmm. Uh, I, I know that sounds weird. No, it doesn't sound it weird. But, but it's like I, 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 I look in the mirror now, okay, and I, I still struggle to see the guy that's 180 pounds less. Hmm. I Matter of fact, I was I was filling out some forms the other day, and instead of writing down two twenty nine, which is mm. my current weight, I wrote down three twenty nine. Wow! Because I can't, yeah, I cannot see myself hmm. at two twenty nine. Wow! And I I still when I go into a store, I still walk to the four x five x section, and I start looking, hmm. and my wife will be like, you know, none of that's going to fit you, right? I mean, yeah. it's all right. So. So that's that inner outer yeah. Yeah. struggle where, where I'm like, okay, where, where, 
who, whose identity am I trying to live out? Yeah. Am I trying to live out my identity as this big guy with this, uh, you know, with this uh, problem or am I the new person who is less weight and all that? And I think, I think it correlates to our spiritual struggle. So, mm-hmm. so, so easily. Yeah. Is that I, I heard a message from a preacher years ago. He preached the message. I am who my daddy says I am. Hmm. He was talking about the change of name from Jacob to Israel. Wow. And he was talking about our identity from the father hmm. in that he talked about how as Jacob, he was reminded every day, you're a liar, you're a trickster. Hmm. Every time somebody called, Hey, Jacob, come here, come here, you dirty, rotten thief. Right. Hmm. But then when his name is changed to Israel, every time somebody says Israel, come here to saying, Hey, you who you who are a prince with God, come, come. Yeah. And, and, and I, I that if I'm struggling anywhere and, and we all are struggling somewhere, but it's, it's with really coming into grips with, okay, I'm this new, I've, I've got this new healthy identity. I'm making better choices. I'm doing this. I'm struggling, but, uh, but I'm winning. Yeah. Right. And I think it's the truth in our spiritual walk. Hmm. God says that in Christ, you're blessed in Christ. I write this in the book in Christ, you're blessed in Christ. You're made holy and blameless in Christ. You have redemption and forgiveness. And in Christ, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit from Ephesians chapter one. But yet. Our old man is saying, oh, no, 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 you're not. You're not blessed. I mean, I mean, look at the stuff that you're thinking. Look at the th- things that's a, you know, if you were really forgiven, you wouldn't be that way. If, if you know, if you were really sealed by the Spirit, you wouldn't have these kind of struggles. But, but I have, I just tend to believe that the scriptures are the, are true. That's right. And that, that is right. And that, the, and that they are speaking to me the reality, maybe of not where I'm mm. sitting at this very moment. Yeah. But where God is taking me and what God has de- declared over me. And I know that word declared gets all messed up today, but, but God has spoken over me that, that, that be, not because of who I am, hmm. but because that I, I'm in him, I'm in him, I'm in him, I'm in him. Yeah. And, and these things bring to me a, a new identity. That's a good word. That is that is so much better than any identity I could ever form for myself. Yeah. Good deal. I got a one or two more questions for you, Danny. Um, you write that love makes us brave, not afraid. Um, how did, how does this, how did that truth impact you? And how did that, you shared a little bit earlier about your father and your relationship with him, but, but how did that, can you just share a little bit more about that, that idea that, that love makes us brave, not afraid, specifically in a world that fear seems to be a palpable presence in many people's life, um, yeah. where, and it's honestly fear is something that I've, I've struggled with personally um, and continue to struggle with. But that idea of God, love makes us uh, brave, not afraid. Can you share more about that for us? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I think it, to be very transparent, it didn't have any impact on me at first. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that's the way hmm. uh, I wasn't, a, I wasn't brave. I mean, hmm. I was living, I was living out of a, 
an abundance of fear that hmm. if I, when you, when you live under a legalism, and I, I won't go too deep into this, but when you live under a religious legalism, you're always afraid. Hmm. You're, legalism is fueled by fear, hmm. right? So in in my history, Sunday morning church was for the sinner. That's when we preach for people to come to Jesus. But Sunday night was when you came back and you went to the altar and you cried and you, 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 because somewhere, somehow that week you did something stupid and you, you were going to do something stupid again. And God was always ready to hurt you. And God was always ready to um, punish you. And, and I understand God's wrath. I understand God's justice. I, I'm not here to debate all that, but I'm not, I'm not, man, I'm, I'm going to step into it here. I'm not a sinner. Yeah. All right. I'm a saint. Uh, I, I am in Christ. Therefore, my identity is sealed and wrapped up in him. And because he has radically transformed my heart and my life, made me a new creature. I now understand what love is. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't understand love. And, but, but more importantly, I understand the source of love. That's good. That, 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 that my relationship is not built on how well I love God. My relationship is built on the fact that he loved me enough to send his son. Mm. Right. And, and, and he gave his life for me. So I know the source of love is, is God. And he demonstrates that love to us. Right. He, he demonstrates it in sending his son and doing what he's doing. And so because I know the source of love and because I've seen love, now I can love. Right? I, I didn't have a model of love growing up. I, I, I mean, my mom, I, I will give her that, you know. But yet the issues are surrounding our home caused her to be distracted and focused. She was just trying to survive. I, yeah. I get that. I, I see that now. I didn't see it at 20, but I yeah. see it now. But because I know the source of love and I've seen love, now I can visibly demonstrate love. I, mm. I, can, I can love people who don't love me. I can love people who are my enemies. I, I, I can love people who, um, I mean, it's not easy. You don't, don't get me wrong. Mm. I'm not just saying I'm, you know, I'm walking around. Just, but, 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 be, but knowing love and seeing love and feeling love makes me not afraid to love. Mm. Right. So this is all from first John chapter mm. four. Right. First John chapter four tells us that that perfect love casts out fear. Right. That what is that who well, not what is that perfect love? Who is that perfect love? We often look at that and say, Well, what is perfect love? That's the wrong question. The question is who is perfect love? Because first John says perfect love is Jesus. And when we look to Jesus, he was unafraid to love people. Mm. I mean, just look at the cross. Yeah. <laughs> right. Father, forgive them mm. for they know not what they do. He, he even looks down and says to John, take care of my mother. You know, yeah. I mean, this, this, this dying man's reaction is an action of love. And so, so I don't have to be afraid to love other people. Because my identity is not wrapped up in them loving me back. My identity word. is wrapped up 
in the Christ who lives in me by the Spirit and, and the, to the Father that I've been reconciled to. And, and so, with, which, you know, 1 John 4.19, you know, really talks about, really tells us that, that we can love without fear. Yeah. Um, that, that because we're complete, hmm. because we're made whole, and we may not feel whole. Yeah. We, 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 I don't think this side of heaven, we're going to feel like a hundred percent. Sure. But I wake up every day with the assurance that in Christ, hmm. I have every resource I need. I have every spiritual blessing as first yeah. John tells us. And, you know, I was thinking today that, that, that word blessing, spiritual blessing, and, and, I think it's in Ephesians is, is the word where we get the English word eulogy from, hmm. right? It's, it's, it, what's a eulogy? I mean, we, in, a, in our culture, we don't use that word outside of a funeral, right? But right. A eulogy is when you speak praise over yeah. someone, right? Well, Paul says we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual word God has, he speaks over us. And he, and he speaks over our lives with love and with care and with concern and with discipline yeah. and all those things so that we can then fulfill his commandment to love others hmm. as he, as he has loved us. And we don't have to be afraid of that yeah. because love is vulnerable. Hmm. Uh, I think it's Brene Brown that says, you know, vulnerability without boundaries is, is, is not vulnerability. I mean, there's all, Scripture gives us boundaries in which we live and, and all this. But but love, love can put us in an awkward place. It can put us in an uncomfortable place. It can put us in intense, intense places because we're we're putting something out there that may not come back to us. But God's love makes us not afraid to put it out there. Yeah. And I don't know, man. For me, that was a freeing thing. Like yeah. I, 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 I could love my father who, who abused and beat and everything. You know, I remember, you know, as he was dying, uh, you know, by this time I'd been saved and been redeemed. And I, I just remember laying my head on his chest and saying, you know, I'll, I'll see you. Hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll see you. Hmm. Whereas I could have, I could have stood back and said, you did this and you did that hmm. and you did. And he had no way of loving me back in that moment. He was going to be, there was no way he could love me back. But yet that expression of no fear and saying, yeah. you know what? I believe God has transformed you. I believe hmm. God has done a work in you. I believe all, you know, I mean, I still had to deal with the stuff through the yeah. years I've had to deal with it, but, um, but God's love may be not afraid to deal with it too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Such because I knew, yeah, I knew he was going to do the right thing with it. Right? Yeah. So such an encouraging word. Yeah. Danny, it's been an awesome time to hang out with you. Will you, will you pray for us? I think specifically yeah. as we end the podcast, maybe just, would you be willing to pray for people that um, maybe have a, a, a similar history and similar past as you share? Uh, maybe grew up in a family that was less than tranquil or less than um, than maybe safe, um, and they're they're struggling with that. That this idea that love makes us brave and not afraid. Will you will you pray specifically for that? 
Yeah. Lord, thanks. Lord, first, thanks for saving, saving me. And God, thank you for those that you have redeemed who are listening to this podcast. Father, help us to rest in the assurance that you are with us and that you're not going to leave us and that you're not going to forsake us. And Lord, I know that some who are listening, they struggle to see that image because all they've ever known is forsakenness and someone abandoning them. Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to their hearts right now. I ask you to speak words of love and words of encouragement. I ask you, Lord God, right now, to put your arms around them and help them realize that in your son, they have an identity that far goes beyond the hurt, the abuse, the the, the trauma that they have experienced. And I pray, Lord, that the peace of God that passes all understanding, God would not only flood over them, but as your scripture says, would guard their heart. God, not guard in a way that makes them walled up and, and isolated from others, but it would guard them to the place where they can love and not be afraid, God, to, 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 to open themselves up and allow the peace of God to be with them, the love of God to be shed abroad in their heart, and that they could show that to other people. And Lord, I thank you that you do transform. I thank you that you make all things new. I thank you, Lord, that you take a heart of stone and you turn it into a heart of flesh and that you dwell in us and with us and you walk beside us by your spirit. And God, those that are struggling today in their mind, in their heart, I pray, Lord, that your hand would just rest upon them. Let them feel your presence right now. And let them abide in the knowledge that you're with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.